0: up, Chet, Chet here, bringing you another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. This week it is episode 169, <clears throat> Jake Cobrin who is a visionary artist, and uh, I know from way back when, what I discovered in this interview is that he was at a... A seminar i held at the what was the name of the place art institute of san francisco or something but that was kind of funny cuz i didn't even realize i met him there although we we talked beforehand online anyway i've watched him turn into a pretty amazing artist so uh it's cool having him on he's got a lot of insight to all things art and magic and that sort of thing, so it was really fun talking to him uh, not much new going on here, just managing to keep this podcast going once a week and keep me up on all my tasks I have to do uh two more tool posters to go every week. I say this, two more. And then someone asked about a third one But I'm not going to do that for I still have to take my month off To work on the book I should have never said that I was going to Do that in June Every time I say set up a date for something And I say it publicly It always seems like it changes Or I don't do it On the date that I say I would It's really A bummer But this is my life and I deal with it Okay, so new subscribers. Yeah, other than that, not much going on. Just trying to uh, keep everything afloat. Only one new subscriber this month, Samuel Jordan. Thank you, Samuel Jordan. You stand alone as the only subscriber. Or this week, I mean, did I say this month? This week. Thank you. Appreciate it. You're helping make it free for everybody. Keeping it free. And supporting the uh, website and all the other stuff we're doing. So uh, yeah, anybody who wants to join? It's Patreon.com/slash/DarkArtSociety, and you get the podcast a day early, and you get entry into the secret private Facebook group, and entry into the new website. And I think the website, the, the uh, Facebook group's going to close soon. Well, I don't know. I shouldn't give a date because obviously I'm not good at sticking to my dates. But once Josh does some updates to the website, we're going to try and port everything over there. and Fuck Facebook to hellhole. Anyway, let's get on with it. I don't have much to say this week. Uh, Everything's good, though. I'm happy. So let's get on with the Jake Cobran interview. Ladies and gentlemen, Jake Cobran. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, Jake. How are you? Hey, Chad. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on the show. We, we had such a great conversation on your Instagram. I thought, hey, why the hell haven't I asked Jake Coburn yet? Yeah. To be on the podcast. Yeah, that was
1: super fun. I loved that conversation that we did a few weeks ago. I
0: know. It was great. Yeah, you had that great, uh, what was that thing you said about dark art being kind of like an exorcism, a, a, a collective unconscious exorcism and a pressure relief? I think we talked about that after that was awesome yeah (laughs) really cool yeah i
1: think i think art is like an exploration of the unconscious and a lot of integration work in psychology is about diving into the subconscious and bringing the subconscious material into light Mm -hmm. so i think that a lot of artists who are exploring kind of the darker spectrum are going into this collective shadow material and by illuminating it and by creating works of art that bring that out of the place of the subconscious, it kind of has a healing effect on the whole collective consciousness. Right.
0: Yeah, that was a an excellent observation. So I I, I added that to my little um, arsenal of explaining why dark art is cool and good. <laughs> I've got like a list of, of things I, I explain to the uninitiated. <laughs> that think yeah. It's just like fucked up and we're all weird and at, freaky satan worshipers and stuff
1: <laughs> is that a conversation you engage in a lot do people ask you like do you get a lot of family members who are concerned or whatever you
0: know not really i have to say um my family was real has always been super cool about this stuff so um they never never questioned it i had one relative that used to say, "Why can't you paint pretty things? Why can't you draw pretty things?" But that's pretty much it. <laughs> it stuck with me, though. It stuck with me. It was like I remember, I was probably five or six years old, and I was like, "What? What a shitty thing to say!" It was like totally offended me <laughs> when I was a
1: little kid.
2: <laughs> yeah, I bet.
1: I remember when I was kind of in a in the darker phase of of my art process and i was doing a lot of like skulls and demons and stuff and my dad would be like you're really into this skull thing huh <laughs> you know he's just like he didn't he didn't really get it he's like
2: yeah, maybe you know,
1: <laughs> <you've> <laughs> ever never thought about like portraits or like landscapes or <laughs> it's a <laughs> but, like, portrait, skull. Really that's a that's portrait of a skull
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's a still life of a skull i,
1: <laughs> I love skulls man i think like yeah, skulls are so beautiful oh yeah they're, like, they're and
0: so I, amazing So amazing. I love, yeah. Bones are, bones are incredible. I agree. Everybody loves bones. Most people do.
1: Yeah. Actually, I've been wanting to check it out. So there's a place in Bali, which is where I am now, where if you go to the north part of the island, they have this like tiny island that you can get to by a boat that is, it still has their traditional. Um, what's the word, like their their traditional practices around death are still totally intact. Mm-hmm. So because Bal- Bali is mostly Hindu, so they mostly do cremation, but before they were Hindu, they had this really ancient shamanic culture. And the way that they would deal with um, their deceased is they would just leave out the bodies in nature and they would be decomposed naturally. Wow. So there's this place that you can go to in Bali where they actually leave the corpses in this particular tree that somehow absorbs the bodies in a way that they don't even like rot or stink. It's like this magical oh alchemy with nature. <laughs> it's so but, cool. <laughs> yeah. But you can go and they just have like mummies and corpses and like skulls. And wow. yeah, I've seen photos. It, it, it looks really wild. I want to check it out.
0: How far is that from you? Is it, is it hard to it's, get there? It's
1: like, uh, it's about three hours. Oh, from where so, I am. so
0: worth it. You got to go. But yeah. it would be worth it. <laughs> if it yeah. was three hours for me, I'd be there. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> be there having a yeah, picnic. Yeah, there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot
1: of Instagram photos of like, you know, um, I don't know, well-clad Russian men holding holding human skulls. Oh my
0: God, wow. Things like that. <laughs> okay, so, you know, that's a good segue into why are you in Bali? How did you end up in Bali and, and really, you know... Uh, Maybe you, you could start even earlier and just talk about your whole how you became an artist and because um, I mean I remember I know you from a long time ago. Yeah, you, you, I was a
1: student when yeah. I met you. I was in uh, I was at the Academy of Art when you you gave a workshop there when I met oh, you
0: re- in San Francisco. Yeah, that you were at the, at that that uh, workshop I did. Yeah, that's where I first met you. How funny! That's so funny. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't realize that. I just knew that we had like corresponded somewhat. Online and stuff.
1: I, before that, we may have already corresponded a bit okay. online, but that was the first time I met you in person.
0: Oh, how cool! That's great. That's funny. That was a crazy trip. But uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, so 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 so, what's your story? I mean, how did how did you get involved in art? Where you, you know, give us the lowdown.
1: I've always made art, and I think if you ask most artists, it's not really a choice. It's kind of like this thing that. I don't really see my life going in any other direction from a very young age. I already made the decision that I wanted to be an artist. I had uh, family friends that were professional artists and my parents were supportive of it. It's not like I grew up in a, in a family that, that, you know, I had to be a doctor or right. something like that. Like yeah. I knew I, I started saying I wanted to be an artist when I was like 12 or 13 years old. Like yeah. I was still a kid and I was Same like, this here. is what I want to do. Yeah. And my parents were really supportive of it. And, um, you know, my dad would, would drive me to like figure drawing classes when I was like 13, 14 and cool and stuff. And so I, I grew up in an environment that really supported it. And I think that that's, I really give credit to that for having a huge effect on, on my art. Um, but in terms of the kind of artwork that I, I make now, I mean, I was really influenced by tool and I, I loved their music when I was young. And, you know, the work that you did also with them, the music videos and that, that really, uh, a psychedelic aesthetic that they had made a, a huge impact. When I first was exposed to that, when I was like 13, it was <laughs> mind blowing for me. Like yeah. I had never seen anything like it. It like, yeah, completely opened some other portal into my imagination <laughs> that didn't exist before. Right, and it and through them, I guess I got into a lot of the stuff I'm into now, like psychedelics and occultism. You know, I started reading Alister Crowley books when I was in high school and got got interested in magic and the occult and also Buddhism.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's kind of interesting because I think Buddhism ended up taking greater precedence in my life because I found that. I mean, I'm still fascinated with magic and the occult, but it was it was kind of like I was looking for a certain level of relief. I think at that point in my life, I mm-hmm. had like a lot of depression and anxiety and stuff when I was younger, and Buddhism really worked for that. Huh. You know, it, it was like I would listen to these Dharma talks, and it was almost like, you know, the Dharma was like medicine mm-hmm. for me, and it really worked. You know, and I started meditating, but I got into that stuff kind of through that that portal of being interested in Aleister crowley and into magic and stuff like that hmm, and then when i when I yeah and later on i got really into psychedelics and um was interested in you know the work of terence mckenna and aldous huxley and ram Dass and alex gray and you know i had other artistic influences that were also strongly influenced by psychedelics and were open about it.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: that really influenced me to wanna try that. And psychedelics definitely completely opened my creativity in profound ways and also profoundly shifted the way that I see reality. Mm-hmm. You know, really helped deconstruct a lot of my belief system and enabled me to it real, it made me realize that I can basically make my life anything that I want it to be.
0: Right. Yeah, that's the and best that's, the greatest that's, gift of psychedelics. Yeah, one of the greatest it kind of,
1: gifts. <clears throat> it was kind of like waking up in a dream, you know, like a it, like now I feel more like a lucid dreamer. Mm-hmm. There's, I guess, a point in my life where I felt more of like a victim of the circumstances of my life. And psychedelics really helped me realize that I had agency to kind of use my will to control
2: mm-hmm. reality,
1: and that reality is something much more malleable than is, I
0: this initially this... realized. This is also exactly uh what mag- Magic teaches. I mean, that's like that's it. It's like, you know, you have agency. It's it's all about um finding your true will and basically living the life that you want and also that reality is malleable and that it's and it's an illusion. But it's like all the great spiritual traditions say that basically, you know, Buddhism and Yeah. Uh, uh all the all of them. All of them have that element of this is all just kind of a game or an illusion or a play or whatever you know
1: yeah and i started watching some of those jason leave uh courses we talked oh, cool. about yeah
0: that. yeah <laughs> good did you and, join and it or did you just watch the, I, I did
1: oh excellent i joined excellent. it yeah cool. so I, i've started taking like the chaos magic course and stuff yeah, and it's, it's awesome great. man it's he's great. a he's a great teacher he's yeah. very clear and articulate yep yeah
0: that's but great. it reminds
1: me i kind of feel like the stuff that he's talking about in magic is stuff that i kind of intuited naturally when I was kind
0: of a little kid you know like I started I felt the same way man I felt exactly the same way
1: yeah and I don't know if that's everybody I don't know if everybody has those kinds of realizations when they're a little kid but I used to do bait I would they're almost magical practices when I was really little Mm
2: -hmm. like
1: I would visualize outcomes that I wanted to see and I do these kinds of really uh Intense imagination, visualization, things. When I was just like really little, and it would have a total effect on the way things would go. So I kind of, I think I, I sort of realized naturally at a young age these principles.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: You know, but maybe everybody does. Maybe everybody has an experience when they're little. And I guess the difference is I never got co-opted into that
0: right it belief was, that it wasn't real yeah or something. it was never squelched by your your family or something my uh my wife said she I mean she used to do it and she was like five years old she said I forgot what she would do it was like it was manifesting like the ice cream truck or something or or money for for the ice cream truck it's like her and her friend would they didn't have any money and they knew the ice cream truck was going to come around and so they would like visualize finding money or something and they'd always find it she said and, yeah and I remember I remember in the fifth or sixth grade I I totally made this girl like me I was so in love with this girl think it was maybe fifth grade <laughs> nice. fourth grade I don't know I was a it was, yeah It was probably more like fourth grade I was a little kid and I just remember I was like I was praying like Oh, make her like me, make her like me. And it was like it was just you know it was a total long shot it just it wouldn't have happened. I feel otherwise because we didn't have really any kind of connection and then she ended up liking me and then i and then um one day I wouldn't uh, I, I chickened out um to like we we were we met we were walking home from school and we stopped at the jack in the box, and it was like I was supposed to kiss her. And I chickened out. And then after that, she didn't like me anymore. And I was like, ah, oh, I got Aww. my thing. I wanted it. I blew it because I was too much of a chicken shit. <laughs> but I mean, I, it, felt, yeah. it, it felt like a, you know, it kind of felt like a manifestation. But my mom taught me to do that stuff, which is, you know, manifest. So I, I, I've been doing it since uh, I've, there's a story in the documentary that Mike Carell made about me where I, my, my mom was like, visualize your dad selling a painting because we were super broke because he was an artist, visualize him, I was nine or 10, visualize your dad selling a painting, and then you can buy anything you want at the mall, and I was like, okay, and so I did it, and we <coughs> sold this big painting, like, in a week or two, and then we went to the mall, and I, had, and I got this wire sculpture electric blimp that had <laughs> with these little characters on it, I still have it, but anyway, it's in the, it's in the documentary but uh, That's I, awesome. I just wanted to say one other thing too, is that uh, when I, my realization, when I have my big opening, you know, in, in 1987, I had my big psychedelic experience. It was that it was like, Oh, all the, all the stuff my mom taught me is true. Like all that stuff that she'd been teaching me about reality and magic and visualization. It's like, I knew it was true. I knew it was true. You know, like, like it was a confirmation sort of, 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 what I knew and what I kind of intuited as well. So that just made me think of that.
1: Well, I I think there's a reason why stories like star Wars or like Harry Potter are so popular. It's because there is some reality to those stories that people have an intuition of it. It resonates because Mm -hmm. it hints at something that people know to be real or true. They just haven't quite discovered how to access that yet. You know, like those, those stories come out of, this stuff that's probably really ancient mm, oh, within definitely. us.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, archetypal, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it's kind of like you know, if all world cultures had their foundation in shamanism, there was a point when everybody would be familiar with this stuff. Like it was a normal part of our reality. Right. But then, as things became more kind of rationally minded. Mm-hmm. It it sort of got uh, taken away, but yeah, I'll tell you a story also. I remember when I was a little kid There was like this radio station that I used to listen to all the time with my mom and they would give away Concert tickets on the radio and you had to be like a certain caller to get in and I would Visualize myself winning these tickets on these radio contests and I would like always win I won like four (laughs) four or five times
0: wow these contests
1: you know and it was just through i remember it like i remember being i must have been i don't know seven years old or something and like (laughs) like visualizing and having the felt experience of winning and then doing it and it it happening
0: yeah yeah i think kids you know kids have that that natural connection to their imagination it's because it's really all about having a clear image in your mind that's pretty much it you know, is ha- having this clarity in your mind and imagining the thing clearly, and then you know the universe does the rest. And it's like, unless that's beat out of you, or or you know, in one way or another, then then I think everyone does kind of innately have that. You know.
1: Yeah, I think that it maybe it comes from trauma. Like people have traumas yeah. that uh, like close that down. And it really is just fear that blocks it, right? Like, right. that's pretty much it. Like, oh, no, no, or doubt. Like, I won't be able to do that or that won't happen or right. I don't deserve or this di- yeah, or yeah. whatever it is.
0: Or disappointment, like, uh, you know, you don't want to let your guard down and believe something like that because what if it's another disappointment in my life, you know? Right. It's almost like God Yeah, that's you down. a big one.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: But it's like, it's such a simple, it's such a simple thing to do. I wish everybody would just try it like one time and if it works, then try it again. And if it keeps working, then you, there's something to it. You know, don't just take our word for it. It's like, it's not that hard to do. you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, true. Well, I liked what Jason Lou was talking about, which is that reality conforms to our beliefs. And that's something that I have experienced so much. Mm-hmm. If you have a strong belief in yourself to be a certain way whether that's good or bad, reality is going to shift to that because right. we are always seeking experiences which validate our concept of ourselves.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, if you consider yourself to be successful, then rea- you're going to look for that confirmation in your reality. But right. if you if you believe yourself to not be or or, you, or whatever it is, yeah, you know, you're all you're always going to get that.
0: Yeah. And we all know people like that, that have, you know, the people that are always, always bad shit is happening to them. And they're constantly talking about how bad their situation is and it just keeps happening. And it's like, you, you got, when you step back and look, you're like, dude, it's so obvious. You're kind of, you're manifesting this reality for yourself. And then on the other hand, you see people uh, I've known people throughout my life that just money just is comes to them. It's not even that they're rich. It's that, you know, my chiropractor, it's like every time he would go to Vegas to play the slots casually, he would always win money. He bought a new house or an old fixer-upper, and they found um, like a ton of these old silver dollars in a chest that someone left there. It's like money. just so. And, and and another guy that uh, my son's – one of my son's close friends, his father is uh, – he he was like one of the original guys that started one of those – penis enlargement herbal supplements that you'd see in like seven <laughs> 11s. So he's like, uh, a, 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 was a millionaire, And, um, this guy's, mo- this guy's mom, we were talking to his mom, they were, they were divorced, but she was saying, Oh yeah, he always, he's always just money just comes to him. It's like, he never has an attitude. Like money's not going to come to him and he starts big businesses and sometimes they'll fail and he doesn't give a shit and he just starts a new one and it's like easy for him. And it's like, they've got that, um, prosperity kind of consciousness you know naturally
1: you know something i was thinking about though man it's like when you're a little kid you don't feel any shame about your dreams right like Mm -hmm. like little kids are like i want to live in a castle and (laughs) i want to have like a like a you know a herd of wild ponies and like whatever it is and like you hear a little kid say that and you're like oh that's sweet honey like that's great you know And nobody's like that's a stupid idea but if you say that as an adult you're like yeah i'm gonna get a castle and i'm gonna get some ponies people are like shut
0: the fuck up man like what are you (laughs) talking about
1: you know and then so so we block ourselves and it has to do with socialization and it has to do with avoiding embarrassment you know and it but I think that if we really do, I think the first step into manifesting anything is to full-heartedly uh, appreciate and acknowledge our dreams and desires and to not block them, to not shut them down, yeah. to like let them exist and take hold for a second.
2: Absolutely. And if you let it
1: take hold long enough, then it, it starts to get those gears turning towards actually taking the actions to make that thing a reality.
0: Right, right. Yeah, and once the thing happens... You can build upon that success and it's easier the next time you try to do it. So it is kind of you get which you can see why people get in the negative um, thought pattern, because it's like your are the, the result of your manifestation will influence how you continue the next one. So if it's negative, you're just going to be like, oh, and depressed and think and creating more negativity. And it goes the other way. I mean, it's like it's been it's, it's like I, I realized I was doing this. My entire adult life, really, it was always worrying about money. And it was like, that's because my parents always worried about money. I, there was never a time where they weren't stressed about paying the bills and they weren't talking about how broke they were. Always. It was just like constant. And so as much as I, you know, I, I was able, always able to earn. Like right out of high school, I started working in effects. And I was always able to actually get well paid for what I was doing it's like i had kind of a natural ability to earn but still i was constantly just barely making the bills and it was wasn't until i kind of like got into all this magic stuff and said you know what this is bullshit i I'm, I'm i'm making it like this i know i'm making it like this and um and it it's turned it around to where it's it hasn't been you know it hasn't been an issue and and once you are earning more it's like easier to keep that keep the ball rolling you know what i mean mm mm-hmm. And trip. what did
1: you do to change your beliefs? Did you use affirmations or or sigils or how did that work?
0: It was, let's see. Uh, I mean, aside from starting a regular meditation program, which is a big, the biggest part of it, you know, because I meditated all my life, but not like every day for, you know, 20 minutes, then 30 minutes, then 45 minutes, then an hour, you know, every day. And it's like, when you do that, you and you go to manifest. You can, you have a clear mind to do it, in. you're not thinking mm-hmm. all this other shit. Um, what if it doesn't work? What if this happens? What if I get money and then I have to pay all his taxes and I can't pay the taxes on it and blah 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 blah. You know, it's like so. It was it was really the meditation more than anything, and and then it was that the, a course that Jason has called the Seven Day Supercharger, where it's like you mm. know when you join right up. It's like if you if you if you got the nerve, do the seven days supercharger, it's like it just puts you right in the middle. It's not like you're building up training. It's sort of like yeah, you know, more of uh jump in or dive in head first into this. And so I did that and um along with some sigil magic, you know. And all of a sudden it just all finally coalesced at the end of uh last year, just like right around the holidays and it's You know, hasn't stopped yet. Just kind of amazing. That's awesome, man. I also think that as
1: things become increasingly bizarre in the world, and there's a there's also like this growing, um, there's like a grow like growing popularity for psychedelic related things. That I think that artists who create psychedelic or surreal art are gonna find their time. I think like now might be be the beginning of like the the new popularity for psychedelic and surrealist art Mm -hmm. in a way that we haven't seen probably as much in our lifetimes.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, You know, I haven't, I haven't seen it that way yet. I've been looking at it as, since I'm Mr. Uh, Evangelist for dark art, you know, that's my whole thing is I'm trying to get, you know, we do not get no respect. And so I'm trying to, you know, make this thing a respectable movement. I've been looking at it as like, as things are more and more fucked up it's like this is kind of our time as dark artists you know it's really the, well, the, that the, too, yeah. the art of the time but but um what you're saying is true too because it's like it's not only just getting more fucked up it's also getting just totally weird and surreal i mean that's for sure it's because because at the same time you know uh you've got like the widespread acceptance of psychedelics, which is a totally weird out of left field thing that no one could have predicted. You've got amazing technological advances, which are allowing us to do things that are kind of like magic, magical in themselves and uh, people acting insane. So it's like as much as it's a dark time now, it's also just like a crazy time, you know, so I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah,
1: when the going gets weird, the weird turns crow. <laughs> exactly. You know. I think I think like everybody who's been like a professional weirdo, like you and I, mm-hmm. we've been training for this moment for a long time. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it really feels like that. I mean, it genu- genuinely feels like that and I don't know for me it's it's kind of reflected back to me as you know, look at how all this craziness hasn't really affected you you know it's like it's it's like i've been it, it's been like normal for me like it hasn't been my job didn't get fucked up my you know it's been like kind of stable the whole time through this through through you know trump through the uh the virus and the quarantine it's like you know it's weird to do, be doing okay right now but it's it's true, you know, I can't deny it. So it sort of feels like maybe confirmation in some way. I don't know.
1: Yeah, for me too. And in in some ways this uh virus situation with the kind of lockdown me staying in Bali has been a good thing because I was going to go back to California and
0: oh, no travel
1: and, and do some some stuff in California, like show my art in some places and all that stuff got canceled. Right. And just being rooted and staying and working here has been way better for myself and way better for my career than I think had I gone. And it's just like, I travel a lot as with my art and it can sometimes wear me pretty thin energetically. And I think there's something to just, just hanging out and being grounded and just staying cooped up in my studio, which is kind of, I think what the universe had wanted for me to, to not be, running around
0: all over the world (laughs) so yeah how did you end up in well continue on your 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 art path you know so you went to you went to that school i'm assuming that
1: yeah i went to i went to the academy of art university it was like a pretty mainstream normal art school i guess it's a better art school than many because they do actually teach you art techniques Mm -hmm. whereas a lot of them it's really conceptual but I wasn't inspired by the school. I wasn't inspired by the student body. And of all the students I met there, it seems like very few are actually working as professional artists mm. now, which is a reputation that the school
0: has. Oh, well, you know, I'll, like, tell you, I'll tell you one success story. Miriam, the, the girl who yeah. brought me out, she's uh, she she has a pin company, Almost Amusing, and she does all my pins. She does these amazing enamel pins. Like, oh, ri- cool. Yeah, she's like... Doing these couture enamel pins that are just huge and really really cool, so she's doing well.
1: Wow. <laughs> so <Yeah>. there's one. <laughs> yeah, her stuff is great. Yeah, no, there are there are a few students that I I was friends with back then that are doing great also, but it's like uh, one out of every.
2: Yeah. I mean,
1: it's a huge student body, and it's like one out of like 100 she students t- actually she told becomes me there
0: was, a professional yeah. artist. She told me there was some so i forget what it was it, that may may have been it but she said there was like some weird weird shit happening there like some controversies or st- whoever ran it was doing some shitty things or i don't know something something bad about that school she kind of had the same sentiments you do i guess
1: <laughs> yeah so so at a certain point it's like i went to burning man you know, well, I, I, I did a workshop with Alex and Allison Gray, and then I went to Burning Man afterwards and like dosed on psychedelics, just bathed my mind in tryptamines for like the whole week straight wow. at Burning Man, and it completely like blew my mind. I had this kind of like rebirth type experience, you know, like initiation at Burning Man that completely changed the way that I saw myself and
0: at Burning reality
1: Man, it, 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 yeah with all
0: Burning those Man's people amazing. around. No, I know I, I, all those, I've, this, I've dude, heard. It's, it is made for that. Yeah, it is, I know. It is engineered for that experience. I know, I know. But I'm so like, I'm the, I'm the turn the lights off by yourself kind of tripper. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not, although not to say my first trip wasn't at a Grateful Dead concert with a bunch of people. Yeah. It was amazing. And we were dancing in a circle holding hands. So I get it. <laughs> but it seems like the potential for, I don't know, it's it seems like the potential for someone to fuck with your trip could be great with all those people there, but you know. there is
1: a potential for people to fuck with your trip and people do that kind of stuff. But there's also, I mean, I felt really guided and protected. Mm. I can't say much more than that. Right. My, my circumstances were, were absolutely amazing. And every experience I've had at Burning Man has been absolutely amazing. I think that I've heard a lot of horror stories. People do have shitty experiences at Burning Man. And I don't know. I felt felt protected or, or mm. guided or something blessed in a, in a certain way.
2: Yeah, and
1: there I is, that. I guess if you did want to have those types of interior experiences, there are spaces that, that are geared for that also at Burning Man. Mm. Um, but anyway, I mean, I was exposed to the kind of visionary art culture and at Burning Man, these people like Android Jones and Amanda Sage and Alex mm. and Alison Gray also being the kind of grandparents of that, yeah. that, are flown all over the world to these amazing events and take psychedelics and are, you know, celebrated for being these kinds of like art rock stars and that was really appealing to me. I was like I want to do that.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and
1: I and I I realized that I could, you know. It was like the 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 only thing between me being that and where I was before was just actually doing it. So I decided at that point to leave School. I dropped out of the Academy oh, of wow. Art and I, I just started to uh, pursue art on my own. And there was already a big festival culture that's kind of like an offshoot of Burning Man that mm. was existing in Burning Man and live painting being a big part of that, artists painting live at events. So yeah. I started doing that a lot and that opened doors for me to go all over the world. You know, I did, um, went to Psytrance festivals in Europe and in Australia and yeah, all all over the place. South America, Central America, um, what a, what all through, through my heart.
0: What what age were you uh, doing all this stuff?
1: Like like I started when I was like nineteen. Wow, that
0: must have been fun. <laughs> it was that's really that's the fun. time to do it. I couldn't do something like Def- that. At my definitely.
1: Age. Yeah, I mean, even now I'm I, I'm at this point where like festivals used to be this really fun thing, and I still love festivals, but. Man, it's a lot of work actually to do live painting. Like you have to lug all this stuff out.
0: Uh, yeah, it's, like, I know.
1: Exhausting and you're living in a tent.
0: It's right. So even
1: now I'm I'm a little less uh inspired to do that unless unless there's a really good arrangement for right. me from the festival.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's fun the t- t- the painting part is fun. Like I don't I I I don't mind the I've done live painting. I did it with Alex and Allison one time. At some uh, event in LA, they had a a cosmic fundraiser, and um, it's like I, I kind of enjoy enjoy it the the painting because you it's like you have to tune everybody out and force yourself to really get into what you're doing because if you start thinking about who's looking over your shoulder, it's it's not going to happen or at least that's how it was for me. So it was kind of neat to have this like a reason to to not put a movie on, you know, and kind of get distracted or text someone on your phone. It's like, you have to focus on this thing because you know, people are watching, you know, so kind of like where the rubber hits the road, you know, and if you fuck up, it's like in front of a bunch of people.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Especially if they they prop you up on a stage or something, it is a big flow state activity, you know, Um, I've definitely had some pretty awesome experiences, live painting, in a way that I don't think I would have just in a studio by myself
2: right. I bet. and
1: having that extra pressure of people actually looking at what you're doing and you being in front of an audience and you having to create something, right? it does, uh, it does something. There's a certain magic in that. And I've definitely come up with ideas mm-hmm. on the fly that I never would have yeah. just yeah. by myself.
0: Failure is not an option in that situation. <laughs> so it like forces you oh, to rise I, I definitely to the occasion. Have. <laughs>
1: I've made some shitty live paintings, man. And yeah. like, it's just, I, I, yeah, it's not a great feeling. It's gotta, but yeah. It's gotta hurt. <laughs> I have, <laughs> it doesn't always go that well, but it made some really good ones too. But, uh, yeah, man. So that's kind of how I ended up in Bali. Actually, I had done this Australian tour. Uh, I did rainbow serpent and earth frequency festival. They're both great psychedelic art festivals and, Yeah, um, I was staying in Australia, and I always wanted to go to Bali. People had been telling me about it for years. My dad, uh, who's a therapist and uh, does work with meditation and stuff, had done some workshops in Bali with people. So he had been going to Bali for many years and told me a lot about it also. Mm. And it was like $200 to fly from Australia to Bali. So I thought I would go and check it out, and I had some friends there already. and. Um, I was going to stay for just six weeks before going back to the U S and I had a plane ticket back and that was four years ago. And I, wow. I kind of just, I stayed for six months instead cause I just loved it.
0: Wow. Yeah. It and then I went back to,
1: it is amazing. You know, it's, a uh, every single, yeah, there, there's not really a day that goes by here where I'm, I don't feel grateful. You know, it's, wow. it's so beautiful being here and it's so peaceful being here. Wow. You know, there's, there's stuff also about it. That's not the best, like any, any place, but yeah. in general, it's a, it's a really amazing place to live. And, um, also a kind of hot spot for cool, open-minded explorers. And so the kinds of people I'm surrounded with and the kinds of conversations that I engage with
2: mm-hmm. on a daily
1: basis are really special where I could talk about say magic with almost anybody here at any on any day and every person would be into that
0: right yeah I think that's one of the things I've heard uh, Jason say about I think it was Indonesia or it was some somewhere out in your parts he was basically saying uh, it's like magic is part of the culture it's like, every, yeah. it's like normal for everybody. It's kind of more abnormal if you're not into it.
1: Yeah. In Bali, that's definitely true. They have a it's very, so cool.
0: Oh, he was yeah, talking about, I'm sorry. He was talking, I'm sorry. He was talking about, um, uh, uh, Thailand or was it Tibet? It was to, uh, yeah, somewhere like that. I'm sorry. Okay. Go ahead.
1: I mean, Tibet has a has a really pure, strong
0: esoteric culture, but
1: Bali does as well, mm-hmm. and their culture is really unique, and it's really far out. It's really psychedelic, and that was one of the things that really attracted me to being here too. Is like everywhere you go, and I try not to get too. I I try not to take it for granted. You know, I try to keep my my eyes open to the wonder of it. Mm -hmm. But everywhere you go, there's temples here and there are amazing carvings and yeah. Yeah. These, these temples are really impressive, man. Like they are so amazingly carved. The artists, the Balinese artists are incredible and they're intense. They have these really kind of ferocious looking, Deities carved all over them with
0: yeah, these wrath, yeah. wrathful guardians. They're so cool. They're so. They're amazing. so cool. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and they're everywhere. You know I pass by minimum five temples per day,
2: and <laughs> that's, th- that's
1: what I'm saying. I tr- I try not to take it for granted because there's just art everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I first came to Bali, I really was blown away by it and it would completely engulf my attention and now it's like i'm going to the coffee shop and like just whatever and like not really it's like just my i glaze over it a little bit but i I try to keep myself open to that feeling of inspiration on that i first had when i got here and so after those initial six months that I spent here, I ended up going back to California and getting kind of sidetracked. I, I learned to tattoo when I was in California and did a tattoo apprenticeship. Yeah, well. And so my, my life kind of took a, a different direction for a time. But then there was this uh, this business Karma House that was opening up here in Bali. And I had known the the owner of it before previously when I had lived here. And they they flew me out to paint murals. Um, in the, in the space. And I also was only going to come just to do that project and then to go back to California and just, just stayed, man. And it's been like two and a half years and still here and I love it. And I'm so grateful that I stayed. I mean, there's definitely an alternate reality where I'm in LA or something, I think, right? (laughs) you know, and it's like with everything that's going on with the, the COVID thing and, and the, the general volatility of the United States right now, I'm really great hold on
0: here <laughs> i know man it's like you're kind of lucky You kind of it's it's uh yeah you you won't have to worry about getting out if things take a turn for the worst, you know um but i don't know there's something to be said about being right in the in the belly of the beast and, and it, also being in california i feel a little bit like if a civil war broke down at least i'm on the side i want to be on you know or <laughs> where it's California
1: like... is definitely one of the best places to be I mean it's like where most of the resources for, mm-hmm. like the rest of the country come from yeah. so if there ever was anything like yeah yeah like, California I mean California is a great place to be in general I you know I think if like I grew up in California and I think that if there is any place I would want to be in the U.S. it'd be probably in California yeah or what, some other spot on the west coast
0: what part of California did you grow up
1: I grew up basically in San Francisco. I grew up just 15 minutes north of San Francisco
0: in Marin County. Oh, okay, cool. Wow. Yeah, I didn't realize. I didn't real for some reason. I didn't. I didn't realize you were a West Coast guy, but um, I can see it now. It makes sense. Where did you, Where did you grow up? Uh, San Pedro, which is like uh Southern California, a little harbor, okay. harbor town. Cool. Home of the Minutemen. You know the Minutemen, the band the Minutemen. No. Oh my God. Okay. I'll send you. I'll some check lights. it out. Yeah. <laughs> there. It's way. It's before your time, but it's really good. It's still really good. Um. Yeah. How did you? How are you making money at these festivals? Like, how are you surviving? Did you have uh like uh merch to sell? So if yeah. you didn't do well, you were kind of screwed. At, at, at you know every time you went. <laughs> That seems kinda scary, you know, unless you got money in the bank to I I think it's better
1: in general that if you're gonna if you're gonna go to festivals that you already have some kinda like you have alternate ways of earning, I don't think it's really best to make that your sole income source because it is so volatile, I guess. But I mean there are a lot of people that go to these music festivals that Are like pot growers or something, and they have tons of money, Mm -hmm. and so people do buy original art there. So occasionally, I would sell original art. I would sell she clay prints. I would sell canvases. I would sell tapestries, clothing, you know, Mm. stuff like that. And so, and sometimes the festivals would pay me also.
2: Oh, that's cool. And that,
1: and and so, um, yeah, those those were different ways that I would I would make money doing festivals yeah and i i did that very extensively almost uh, like i remember one year i did like 11 music festivals one summer oh which is a God, lot
0: that's crazy
1: yeah and i've done other years where i've done i think 2000 and it was i think 2018 was the year of, of the eclipse festival that was like my last Big year of doing festivals. I think I did like seven or eight that year, and I did um, a few in, in some different countries also. And that was a that was really fun. But since then, over the last two years, I've not really. I did one festival in two years, oh, which wow. was a Dora Festival in Hungary, which is a, a an amazing festival. But yeah, um, I think that I'm sort of stepping a little bit away from that with an emphasis on just my work and i kind of aspire more to i guess showing my art in in different environments more kind of quote-unquote legitimate environments like Mm. galleries and museums and things like that Mm. yeah it's
0: easier that's for sure (laughs) it's an easier lifestyle anyway yeah Uh, not necessarily not necessarily easier to make money but you know with the internet now um yeah so let's talk about your artwork well, um, sure. Uh, how did you? I mean, your stuff's awesome. Your stuff's really amazing. I think it's excellent. It's really, really Thank great. You. Really great. Um, I mean, what? How did you? How did you develop the style that you now paint? I mean, was this just like a natural? Um, did it come out of your psychedelic experience, and and just kind of a natural growth, or? Because you know the psychedelic experience. That's one thing about it. It was this huge. Influence on my life, but it really didn't influence my artwork. Hmm. Which Interesting. Is, which is like I, kind of strange to me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I I think your art has a psychedelic quality to it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it has. It does, but it, it has been a natural development for me. I've had a lot of different influences, I guess, and. Um, I think that like I've done digital art for a long time and I think that working digitally has really influenced the work I do in other mediums, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, the ability to work digitally. I still use digital techniques to kind of create like mockups and stuff like that
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Uh,
1: for my, for my art. So I think that having that ability is really, leveled up my painting skills Mm. like if i was only painting i wouldn't be able to create work of such complexity but having the digital means to to kind of like so that's one thing i think that exploring digital art really deeply has has kind of influenced my style in a particular way and yeah um you know i've had a lot of classical art education um and i studied a lot of kind of just traditional drawing and painting Mm. portraits figure drawing still lives stuff like that so that gave me a lot of fluency within drawing and painting that has enabled me to kind of express myself without too much sort of self-consciousness about how i'm how i'm painting and i think that that's really important definitely important if somebody is pursuing Painting—it's like to master just the language of drawing and painting first,
0: Definitely. and then worry about
1: what you're going to say af- afterwards. Absolutely, thank you. And That's so important. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is important, and a lot of people uh, don't. A lot of people who have a vision, they don't really take those steps. Like I, I have friend friends even who are professional artists, and they're they're really talented, but they never did that fundamental work and you can kind of see it a bit in their art that I think that if they did, it would just take things to another level.
2: Absolutely. And
1: yeah, I think, I think a lot of it is just really like, how does, how does an artist describe their, their artistic journey? You know, it's like a lot of so many days, weeks, months, months, years, hours of, of like battle almost, in yeah. the in the studio yep. that it's like I wish it was all just like you know sweet and rosy but it, <laughs> there's definitely been a lot of frustration and struggle and doubt and all of that stuff too as well as the kind yeah. of transcendent inspired moments where I feel arrested by the muse and taken over by the creative force and and um are carried by that thing And I definitely find that when I surrender into the creative process and kind of get to a place where I'm not so concerned with what I'm creating and just really present with the process and I feel really relaxed and almost like in a trance state, that's when the best work comes through. And a lot of the pieces that I've made, which I think are the best pieces that I've made, aren't ones that I really consciously constructed in my mind. Right. You know, that when I when I create them, it's like a surprise for me. Yeah. Like I never envisioned that or I never really thought of that idea.
2: Right. It's
1: more like this greater force is, is kind of coming through me. And, you know, I did have a lot of experiments with making art and psychedelics. And I think that and that was something I did a, a lot, um, maybe like six to eight years ago. And I think that that was something that really did have a big influence on my creative process as well, because it kind of invoked these sort of anomalous ideas and techniques and styles that probably had I not had those experiments, I wouldn't have really discovered. And nowadays, I'm not making art under the influence of psychedelics very often, but I think having had that period of time of exploration, it kind of informed the work that I'm doing now. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I've tried a couple times. I've tried um, creating artwork while tripping. It always sucks, man. <laughs> it's so yeah. bad. It just like it just does not. It's like it's like uh, painting drunk or something. It's like I know some people like like to drink, do the drink and draw. I can't do it, man. It's like I I just can't do it. It's it's weird. Um,
1: well, you you can do it. You're probably just too attached to the way things like have things having to look a certain way maybe i
0: i I tried to no i tried to go with it i tried to do like just free form you know going with it and it just was Mm -hmm. like it was not you know i know the feeling of when it's when it's flowing through you and it was like it just was i don't know to me they're for me they've always been like i don't know separate things in a way i don't know I don't know. I
1: think that's, I think that's cool too. And I mean, I'm it's yeah. I've I've definitely had a lot of psychedelic experiences where I have attempted to create something and it's not, (laughs) it's not happening or I make something that, you know, I look back on later and I'm just like, what is that? Yeah. But the first, the first time I ever took LSD, I, I took it by myself in my, in my art studio and just sat with a sketchbook of my hand and drew for, you know, eight hours or wow. something like that. And that was my first, it wasn't my first psychedelic experience, but it was my first experience with LSD. And it felt like my hand was, it was like some other force was holding and moving wow. my hand for me. You know, it was almost an experience like channeling. It was really amazing. And it, it was like a, an experience I had never had before while creating art.
2: Amazing. And that,
1: That really, I mean, that was that that experience was profound enough to evoke a curiosity to, you know, try that again. Right. And I I did at other times have experiences where it wasn't really the best for making art, but then I did also have experiences where whatever I was creating was, yeah, uh, like something not for myself. Right. That it was it was like from other from some other source that I was tuning into and I try to access that place as much as possible mm-hmm. sober now but but those kinds of initial experiences with psychedelics at least they made me, realize that that was possible.
2: Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And
1: it's like, I think before that I had always thought of art as something I was doing, you know, like all the art I was creating was like, it was just me and it it had everything to do with my personal history and my study of art techniques and whatever. Mm -hmm. And those experiences were like, no, man, like that's, that's not what's really going on. Or at least there's an opportunity for something more to happen if you engage with that
0: right yeah i agree 100 percent. i mean that's it's like you have to have that muscle memory and education to know how to put the paint down and to have correct proportions and all that once you have that then that thing can move through you if you let it you know um, yeah I, I i you know i i i'll be fair i, I didn't give it quite enough of a chance, um, drawing under the influence or painting in an influence. So I, maybe I didn't give it, I don't know, maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't do it enough to, to really try it, but I don't know. I just feel comfortable without it. So I just, you know, do it that way. I mean, I've
1: had, I've had the same experience, totally sober,
0: you know, Mm -hmm. um, especially I've done
1: a number of Vipassana meditation retreats and I find that the state of consciousness that you're in right after, 10 days of silence is like, a, it is this kind of psychedelic state. And if right. you have like a, yeah. you know, there's been times where I haven't even spoken to anybody really yet, or, or, you know, um, reintegrated back in my life. And like, the first thing I do is just draw and the stuff that comes through in those spaces can be really like a similar experience where mm-hmm. it, it really feels like, It's not really me so much that's creating. Like I'm just empty in those moments, and something else then has the space to come through. Yeah. Whatever that is, whether it's it's you know divine universal intelligence, or it's uh, a particular entity with a specific agenda, (laughs) or it's my higher self. You know whatever. Yeah. Right. It's not like me, small me, like the personality that is Jake Coburn. It's definitely. Something larger that seems to come through in those spaces. Yeah, the art spirit. It's the a, art spirit.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh, it's hard to explain too, especially people that don't do create artwork. It's hard to describe it. But 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 when you talk to an artist, it's like they know exactly what you're saying because you know it's 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 hard to put your finger on how that feels. Other than yeah. it feels like great and amazing. And fun. have you
1: read uh have you read Stephen pressfield's books like the The war of art and he wrote this other book called the artist's journey
0: i gotta read that book because um oh no the war of art i'm thinking of art and fear
1: art and fear is also a great one
0: um, that, that's a different but, author but
1: different author yes yeah, Stephen pressfield he's like a he's down. like a novelist like he's, ri- he's written a lot of novels
2: and mm-hmm. he's like a
1: I guess like a very successful author, but he's written a bunch of books about the creative process. Mm. The war of art is his most famous one. And, uh, but he also wrote this book called the artist's journey and he does such a great job of articulating this kind of stuff. Oh, cool. You know, talk, talking about mm. what it is to be an artist and to sit down in your workspace and to just, and and to work, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is like, I think that there's a lot of mysticism, behind it for people who aren't artists and people who are artists know that it is some percentage of this kind of mystical experience like we're talking about but then it's a lot of just grinding away yeah <laughs> in, in the studio it's mostly know, grinding like, away being really frustrated with the way you're trying to like you're, you're trying to put the paint with the brush in a specific way and like how many how many uh, hours and hours and hours of practicing that brush stroke did it take before you, you finally got it
2: and like finally
1: realized how to like use that brush in a particular way that the paint would, would come out in the way that you want it to. So yeah, it's, I guess that's, that is what kind of like, that's what makes being an artist something magical is that it is this kind of union of material and spiritual Mm -hmm. forces
0: yeah. I agree 100%. Um Oh god, I was going to say something. I do this every every episode. I forget what I was going to say. Um it's gone. It's over. Let's move on. It's cool. <laughs> it wasn't important obviously. <laughs> it's it's my reality. Um So, okay. Uh are you are you doing like tattooing for for your kind of your main source of income while you're in Bali or is it like the art or is it a mix or how are you doing this? Because a lot of people who listen to the podcast are, are artists or aspiring artists and you know, they're trying to figure out how to make a living doing this and you're doing it. So how are you doing it?
1: It's been a mix. I mean, I started tattooing with the intention of using that to support my painting mm-hmm. endeavors and um, I, I have been lucky to have a lot of tattoo work being in bali and it is one of the ways that i've supported myself not only in bali but while traveling and it's Mm -hmm. i mean the thing that appealed to me about tattooing is that i can probably go anywhere right and just be able to support myself there yep you know and so that's a cool thing but i've i've been like definitely transitioning um i mean the intention was just to use it as a kind of intermediary tool to support myself while I was working on getting my painting career to a place where I was supporting myself fully on my paintings. And and lately I've had a lot, lot of luck with like selling original work and, um, and things. So I've, I've lately been supporting myself fully through just my painting work, which is what I, that's ultimately what I want to do. You know, like I want to, I want to make paintings and sell the originals. And also I do a lot of stuff like, um, I sell merchandise and I license my images and, and stuff like that. And, and I actually have an article on Medium that I wrote that's called How I Support Myself as a Visual Artist, which oh. goes really in-depth in into all this stuff. That's cool. So, And I wrote it kind of like specifically for the intention of the kind of listener that you're describing, somebody who's an aspiring artist. That's and, great. And wants, wants to figure out how to make it. Because there's so many things. And it's like I'm realizing more and more that the – the opportunities to support yourself as an artist are like infinite and
0: endless. I know, especially nowadays with the internet, it's changed everything, you know? Yeah. It's huge. People don't realize the opportunity they have. I don't think I think they kind of take it for granted. Yeah,
1: Uh, man. It's so, it's so great. And I think that there was a period of history where artists were pretty limited to how you could support yourself. Like you needed to show art in a gallery and, um, you could only show art with that gallery and you were limited really to that area. Like if you lived in New York city, you were only selling to people in New York city.
2: Yeah.
1: And now nowadays, man, it's, it's like the world is our oyster. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of, um, there's a lot of markets that I'm kind of curious about exploring. Like I think that there's a big Chinese art market there and is. I have some friends in Shanghai that have that work, in us in creating exhibitions that we've been talking about doing something together. And, you know, I'm really interested in exploring that.
0: A ton of rich, new, newly rich Chinese too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There are. And these, these sort of styles of art are like really new there, you know, whereas right. there's already, it's like, I can't help it, but like people are going to compare my art to like Alex gray. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And rightfully so because he had a big influence on my work and he's a much more, seasoned and established psychedelic artists but theoretically if i was showing my art in shanghai for example where they don't they've never heard of alex gray before it's kind of like i have an opportunity to show psychedelic art to a new audience where that's still a really completely new and fresh experience so i'm really curious about these kinds of things and i really think that it's uh it's endless the opportunities for artists to explore Yeah. New audiences and and new markets for the work. You know, it's not like my it's not the most important thing for me just selling my art, but it is kind of like I want to I want to also be like comfortable and, you know, have I just want to make my life's experience as enjoyable and playful as possible and have as much freedom to kind of express myself creatively as possible. Mm -hmm. And I find that when I have greater resources, I have a lot greater ease and freedom to be able to do that.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is, we talked about this on your, um, Instagram live thing. You know, it's, it's, it's a hangup artists have about making money and it's, and you know, if you, if, if we want to be honest, it's, it's fun to make money with your artwork. It's fun. It's part of the game. You know, it's like, uh, denying that just seems like you're lying to yourself. I'm not saying you, I'm just saying artists in general. So you're kind of like, you know, pretending that that's not part. It's not okay to to enjoy that. And it's like, yes, it is okay to enjoy that. It's amazing to create something from your heart, something real, and to sell that to someone who loves it and appreciates it. And then they give you money so that you can pay your bills and not have to worry about getting kicked out of your home or whatever. It's like, it's, great it's super fun you know and it's really frustrating when you're you know you don't have all of the equation you've got like the putting your heart into it and creating the artwork and people aren't buying your art it's really disheartening and 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 difficult to do it it feels a lot better to be selling your artwork you know it really does yeah and there's nothing wrong with that yeah i've definitely
1: definitely been in those places of like working so hard on my art and it's And not selling. And I mean, it's, it's, it's tough, but there is like, I I guess I had enough fortitude within myself to be like, no, it's it's gonna, it's gonna happen, you know, and I think that belief, that kind of confidence, that vision is important. And I think that just to understand that no matter who they are, I think every artist has been through that.
2: Oh, for you know, sure. and it does.
1: It doesn't mean you're a bad artist. It doesn't mean that no. your art isn't valuable. It just sometimes takes time, like everything in its right time and right place, like meeting the right person or or whatever to make that happen.
0: Oh yeah, I've yeah. <laughs> you don't have to tell me. I've been through. <laughs> I've been through all of that, man. But you have to. That's why you shouldn't do like uh, I think it was Robert um, Robert Williams was saying. And I know a lot of artists have said this. If uh, if you don't have the compulsion to create art, don't be an artist because it's like a really hard way to make a living. It should be like the only thing you can do because otherwise you wouldn't put up with all the bullshit that you're going to have to deal with in order to do it. It's not, it's not like – if you just want to make money, there's way better ways and way easier ways to make money. You know, so um, – Definitely. Uh, but – yeah, uh, I've been there, <laughs> and and you know I I feel like I uh, I definitely am not like I'm not rich, you know, but I'm I'm making enough to where I'm 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 able to pay my bills and not stress as much, and I've been to where there's been a couple bucks in the bank, and it's much better to be able to support yourself, and you, you know it's it, I it's just and a big a big part of that mindset is, 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 um, cultural. It's like cultural baggage that the artist's is supposed to be broke and struggling and doing it for the right reasons. And if you make money, you're a sellout. And it's just like, you know, that's like old, that's the old way of thinking. You know, if you're going to go into the future and you live in the world we live in now, it's like the new myth of the artist should be, a you know self-sustaining entity you know it should be kind of like the the ultimate dream you you're creating your work um your own unique work and you're able to sell it kind of to all over the world due to these tools that we have it's kind of like the opposite of this idea about the starving artist it really should be the other way and it can be you know if you if you do all the stuff you have you you know you have to do to make that happen If you're a Mm -hmm. decent artist, you don't even have to be like a genius, but if you're a a decent artist, if you're good, you can do it. If you're willing to put the work in and do all the stuff you don't want to do, like, you know, learn how to run your business and crap like that.
1: Yeah, I agree, man. And also if you want to do amazing shit, like that takes money, you know, like Alex and Allison, they're building a temple. It takes, (laughs) it takes a lot of money to build a temple, you know? Yeah. But it's like, if I had a million dollars, I would probably use it to make some really dope art. Oh, I you know? know exactly
0: <laughs> what i Yeah, it would. It would totally go into the art. I got you know. I think most artists are like this. It's like we don't care about sports cars and yachts and mansions. It's more about like what could I do with this money, you know? And and I think we touched on this uh, on your Instagram thing. Also, it's like for for anyone else who's who's dealing with this this issue of you know feeling bad about making money through your art the world needs good rich people it's not that the world doesn't need rich people it needs rich people who are willing to share and are willing to help out and to give other people opportunities that's what the world needs you know it's not like Mm -hmm. money's evil it's like money is neutral it's what you do with it and there needs to be more good decent people that have money so that's my that's my uh statement (laughs) It's true. And
1: and I don't, I don't enjoy seeing friends of mine who are like astoundingly gifted artists that are, are, are doing well, you know, like I, my kind of, I guess I can't help it. It has something to do with the culture that I've been brought up in, but my definition of success, it denotes a certain degree of material success, Mm -hmm. you know? And so like, I want to see my friends succeed. I want to, I want to see them be successful. I want to see myself succeed and be successful. And the people I know that are like really gifted, really talented, I I want to see them, right. you know, thrive, thrive.
0: And you want to help them, you know, you want to. I've got you know friends of mine that I, when I am doing well with my business, I can hire them to help me with my business and do things, build things mm. that I need. And it's like I love doing that. It's it's amazing, you know.
1: Yeah, that's great. And if
0: you don't have any money, you can't do that. So you know, get over it, people. That's all I'm gonna say. Um Let's get rich. Fam. That's right. Let's get rich. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um you might as well. Things are so insane. Um you might as well you know, it's like there's never been a better better time. There's never been a better time because there's nothing to hold on to anyway. You know, you might as well just go for it. Follow your dreams and, and Yeah. And do dude, it. like if you look
1: at the actual art world, the kind of art that sells for tons of money it's so crazy
0: man it's insane like
1: like when i went to art Basel in miami the kind of stuff you see like a mound of, like a heap of trash
0: (laughs) being sold for like 250 don't get me don't get me started on that man i'll go for an hour it's it's you know yeah every artist hates that i think every every artist that isn't indoctrinated into that kind of belief system because it really is kind of like a weird belief system that you know uh it's like an art school thing yeah a conceptual art school modern art kind of thing and it's like working artists you know i i just can't imagine seeing the pile of trash and like getting the, the good feeling that you get or <laughs> or as an artist being like you know the feeling you get when you create a great piece and you have a great idea it's like amazing it's like the best drug in the world can you imagine going like, oh, look at that, that dirty, the pile of dirty underwear. that's oh, it's going to be so amazing. It's hitting me right in the feels. It's like, give me a break. No, you didn't. Right. No, you didn't. You know, it's more like this. You were thinking it's going to be controversial and that, you, you know, you yeah. got these collectors that have a bunch of money and you can, ah, don't eat, like I said, well, don't get what's
1: up with the collector who sees the pile of the dirty underwear and is like, I need to have this. I need this in my home. They, like,
0: well, it's because they've got a uh, a, an, a gallery dealer that they deal with that tells them right. this guy's going to be worth money in the future. So invest your money in this dirty underwear as a tax shelter. You know, it's like a total True. scam. It's a It's just a scam str- straight across. There's just no no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's pretty weird.
1: Um, Yeah. It's pretty weird. And it has almost nothing at all to do with what we're doing.
0: (laughs) That's that's the weird thing. (laughs) Somehow it's still called art, you know, and it's like, really, is that the same thing at all? (laughs) Right. It's like, you know, at the very best, what we are doing as artists, what all artists are doing is this truly sacred spiritual act. It really, at the core of it, I believe, I believe. And, And it's just so weird to be in a scene or a thing, this thing, art, that also has this element at the top, which is the most popular, like the most, where all the money's being made, that is 100% the opposite of of the real shit. Like, you can't get further away from sacred, spiritual creativity (laughs) than, than a bunch of bullshit, tax, shelter, nonsense uh, everyone's like kind of jerking each other off and lying to each other about. It's just it's crazy. It's crazy. I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's the world we live in, and I do think it's possible to ch- to change that. You yeah, know, like yeah. I think about like, I mean, if like Alex Gray or like you were as famous as like Damian Hurst is, like, what would the world look like? We'd right. live in a different world for sure. Totally, like the planet man. would be a radically different place. Right. I agree, and I I would like to see that.
0: I agree. And it's, you know, I would too. And there's something to be said about art reflecting the society it comes from. And I don't think these people like Damien Hirst, although, you know, not fair to single him out, but I'm just talking about that high level of art where there's not a lot of skill involved um, of at least of the artists, they hire people to do it, but there's something to be said that for art reflecting the culture and it does kind of reflect the culture, <laughs> that shitty, it absolutely that does. shitty, lame art. It's kind of like, you know, you can't, it's, it's reflecting the culture kind of better than what good artists are doing in a way. It's like empty and plastic and lame and stupid and materialistic and which is, you know, kind of the, the dark side of America and most of the world probably. Not really yeah.
1: though. <laughs> it, yeah, it's not ju- it's not just America for sure. It's all over the place. Yeah. And it is uh it is a perfect reflection of our times and it's an authentic expression. And that's like um so you know who Stan Groff is, the yeah. transpersonal psychologist? Mm-hmm. So I went to a thing some years ago and I had a piece of art in this exhibition that was a tribute to H.R. Giger, and it was like right oh, after cool. Giger had passed away. Mm-hmm. And Stan Groff was good friends with HR Giger that's and he right. released a book, a book that he wrote about him. And, you know, and I asked him about that and it was like, well, why, why isn't that the kind of dominant art form? Like why isn't that the movement that's celebrated in our times? And he said, it's because of our kind of established beliefs and views around psychology. You know, it's like, because we live in this postmodern world and that's, that postmodern material reductionist view of the world is what most people subscribe to and are taught this kind of art that explores the transpersonal space, you know, other dimensions and uh, these different realms of consciousness, which are opposing to the dominant views of what people think is real. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not going to be accepted until, people change their views on reality and until culture shifts to a place where they're more open and accepting of these other viewpoints. But art has always been ahead of its time, you know? So I think that that could happen. And who knows in a hundred years where people are going to look back on like visionary art and be like, wow, these guys really got it.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the thing because art is doing that. Hopefully. We are we we are trying to change the culture to get it to a place where once the culture changes, like you said, that art will be highly regarded. And it's like it comes up from the underground to it's just like punk rock or rock and roll for that matter. It comes up exactly from the, from the people, from actual real people that that uh, are uh, that believe what they're doing and love it. And it comes and it takes that shit out. And I really, you know, I believe that. I think that ultimately, um, that whole thing that, that there's no way that that's going to go on forever. The the uh, it's like the emperor wears no clothes. There's going to be a point where people already know it's bullshit for the most part. So um, I think I think that it is doing that. I think it's doing that now as we create. Like if you if you have uh, as an artist, if you have one mission in life, um, it should be to take down that fucking system <laughs> you know that mm-hmm. art that that art system because it really would do the world a, a lot of good i think to see that topple
1: that's something i loved that jason Lou was talking about in his magic course which is that magic is like the conjuring of meaning and and, and basically being the one to establish meaning Onto this, uh, you know, chaotic universe that we exist right. in, and I, th- I, think that that's really the role of the artist. And so, artists are ma- magicians in that way, mm-hmm. where artists establish m- meaning. They create mythologies and narratives and stories and symbols for people to, to, uh, exist within. You know, it's kind of like the, the myth, the story, the narrative is like the water that we're all swimming in as fish in this reality. Right. And so it's a it's a great power that the artist has and it's also a great responsibility that the artist has to look upon the infinite unbounded chaos that is the universe and to drive meaning out of that and right. to be like the bearer of the torch for what life and reality means for people. Right. And art throughout history, whether it's paintings or music or cinema or whatever has always influenced the the uh, mythologies that people live within,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, it gives people context. You know, it gives it gives gives them context for this reality, and it's you know, it's no surprise. Like, like, again, again, we'll go back to this, this being our time instead of instead of saying that it's, this is time for dark art, I'll say this is time for visionary art, because I think, you know, dark art falls under the visionary umbrella, as far as I'm concerned. I agree. You know, yeah, and I, I mean, I, this like... is an Alex Gray. I learned that from Alex Gray. And it's like he considers geek, you know, Giger is a visionary artist. Um, 100%. Yeah. So it's like it, 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 uh, it really is the time for for visionary art, I think. You know, so everybody make your fucking visionary art, you know, <laughs> and make sure you're doing it from the heart and make sure it's real because you are shaping culture, you know, mm. and I, 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 I believe it's like, it's like, with okay, with my stuff, you know, it's, it's weird and dark and freaky, but I feel like. If I was intentionally trying to influence culture in a way that intellectually I thought culture needs to go, I wouldn't be painting what I'm painting. So it's like, I trust the inner thing inside of me that knows what I don't know or that I'm not conscious of. And that's however it works. I don't know how it works. It seems to be working, but... The freaky, dark monsters is what I have to contribute to changing things. And and it, you know what I'm saying? It goes totally against what you, you know, you, yeah. you, you would think, oh, if I want a better world, a more just world. I'm going to paint things that represent that in this way. And it's like, that's not how art works, really. It's like, no, you don't get to know necessarily. You, you, you are allowed to be this uh, like a channel for this thing to go through you and you do what it says, you know, mm-hmm. you follow that thing.
1: It's like revitalizing the role of the artist as the shaman. Yeah. And what you're doing Ch- is like shamanism where you're going into these other dimensions and pulling through these entities, these beings that maybe exi- exist in some kind of, you know, objective realm that only you can access or only certain people can access in certain states of consciousness. And I don't think that the role of artists is to be rational and to think about right. what they're doing in, in a rational way. I think it's the role of the artist to swing profoundly to the other side and be kind of more on the the feminine side of the spectrum in diving into these, these numinous places through a sort of altered, state of consciousness and then to pull out this data this material from these other realms of existence
0: yeah i i agree (laughs) it's so cool (laughs) it's so cool it's so amazing i mean when i think about it it's like it's so fucking cool i mean what better what more of an honor than to be part of that it's so cool and it's fun yeah you know
1: yeah, I agree, and I think that
0: um, all of the best art
1: comes out of that place. That it's not, it's not constructed from a rational, yeah, thinking that's a good place point. of like, yeah. oh, I'm going to make this thing. And I think that actually a lot of people who are just starting out and uh, who want to engage in drawing or painting struggle with that. Yeah, you know, it's it's hard to describe the process to somebody who's never done it before about how to like let go and let kind of the, the muse take the wheel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I fully went through this myself when I was in, uh, when I had bands, you know, I had these, I was playing music and it was like, that was my primary focus. And so I had this idea of what kind of music I needed to put out there really like it was exactly what I'm talking about, which is why I, I know enough to talk about it because I did it. And it's like, It it was not, it didn't hit the mark. It didn't hit the mark. It was not, it was like kind of contrived and it came out, you know, especially when I went through this really spiritual, I was trying to do the spiritual thing with the music. It's like, it was cheesy. It was not right. It wasn't, and it didn't take off, you know, it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's like after I had sort of exhausted everything, you know, trying to start businesses digital effects businesses, doing makeup effects, uh, um, doing music, being in a band. After everything just, like, didn't work, I was like, fuck this shit. Fuck all of this. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And what I want to do is paint these monsters. And there's no way I'll be able to make a living at it because nobody wants to see, you know, in the year 2000, nobody wants to see monster paintings. But... I'm just going to do it because I believe in the Joseph Campbell follow your bliss theory. If it's the right thing, somehow it's going to work. So I'm putting the th- theory to the test and I'm just going to do it. And then it ended up being like my purpose as an artist, you know, was to do this because it's just because, of you know, it's obvious that the feedback has been that, you know, this is your thing and it feels mm-hmm. feels good and right and it's just funny, I had to go all the way around to get to that point, you know, Cause, yeah, because I was thinking too much and trying to be responsible and trying to be the good you know artist that is doing the right thing, and it's like you gotta you gotta obey the real master, you know it was my yeah. ego, it was my ego, you know it' was mm. what I thought it was what I thought I should be doing based on all my mm-hmm. past history and stuff, but it's
1: so real, man, and it's like imagine just the. It's like the ten-year-old Chet who is like, "I just want to paint monsters."
2: That's what and I was you know, doing
1: exactly. Yeah, right. But like your your parents or whatever your you know relatives were probably like, "Oh, that's that's great. Like you do that or whatever." Right, and it's right. like, but then as an adult, yeah, you're like I want to paint monsters, and people are like, "Maybe you should consider getting a job." Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's like I feel like if you want a clue for like what it is you're supposed to be doing in life it's put yourself in the shoes of who you were when you were 10 years old and what you wanted to do like that's that's probably what you should be doing
0: that's I mean that's when I, I, I I literally when I was when I started painting I was like okay I want to make sure that this this work is pure and real 100%. I don't want to be a phony. I want to do this like for real. And the most... I'm sure I said this on on our interview, but I'll say it again. And I've said it a million times on this podcast. But the most real I ever felt was when I was a kid and I was drawing and I didn't have... you know, I wasn't making a statement. I wasn't trying to say something. I was just doing it for the pure joy of it. So that's how I... And then I was like, okay, that's Monsters. (laughs) So I guess I'm going to do that. (laughs) Doesn't make sense. I mean... I even felt like guilty at first, like, you know, am I doing something wrong? This doesn't, it seems too fun and weird to be like (laughs) the right thing to do. But I just was like, I'm going to keep doing it because I love it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And what's up with that belief system that if it's fun, it's not like valid. How fucked up is that? that?
0: It's fucked up. It's fucked
1: up. It should be fun, right? Yeah. Like, hopefully, what you're doing to support yourself is fun. But, that, it, you yeah. Know?
0: If if nothing else, that should be an indication that you're you're doing the right thing if you're having fun. And it's like we've got it completely backwards. It's yeah. Crazy.
1: I mean, fun fun is like a reward system within our brain that says to us, that communicates to us that what we're doing is affirming of life, right? Right. It tells us that what we're doing is better for our survival. I think that that's what yeah. fun is. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it should be an indicator to follow what's fun because your body is wired and your brain is wired in a certain way to be able to recognize what's good for us and what's right. good for our our survival and the survival of our our progeny and whatnot. Totally. You know?
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, look at sex. It's like sex is really fun. It's super fun. And it's, you know, the probably one of it's one of the, the most important things to keep the species going. You know, it's like it's set up that way. Even like eating yeah. cause it feels really great because it's like it seems so obvious. But... Yeah.
1: That's why those things are fun. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. Your body telling you like, yeah, keep doing that. That's going to make it so that you and your children can survive. Right. Your right. genes will survive.
0: It's so simple. It's so simple. I want to tell you something I thought I was just thinking, I I was just thinking about this thing when when you were talking about sigils and and magic and stuff. And I was thinking, you know, I'm going to tell Jake this, this thing I came up with and and share it with the audience too. So people listening can uh, try it out. So do you, you know, have you, do you know the sigil, you know, sigil magic, how you make a sigil and the basics. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, that's, that's a whole other thing. If you, once you make the sigil, you kind of, There's different techniques to focus on the sigil that is embedded with this, you know, this uh, desire you want to manifest. And then you like burn the sigil or you throw it away, you get rid of it, you know, as part of the the whole spell thing. So I came up with this really good technique that I, I don't I've never heard anybody doing before. And so it's really cool. And I did it and it did work. The time I did it, I think I did it two times, and both the times worked. And the first time worked better than the second time, but still, I got the result. You take the sigil and you. Did I tell you this already on the last thing? And no. Oh, okay, good. No, I want to hear it. <laughs> um, you take the sigil and you do your, you know, as part of the whole process, you know, it's like uh, banishing, you banish, banishing ritual, usually you do, clear the energy. And then normally you would do, like, write it on a paper, do your meditation or whatever you do to, to get, you know, to, to do the thing, to charge it. And then you burn it, right? Then you do another banishing to clear everything. So uh, you do the banishing, and then you take the sigil, and you paint it on your canvas. And with the knowledge that as the painting is being completed, it is manifesting what the sigil, it's, it's destroying the sigil. And it's also in your mind, you realize like um, when the painting is done, it's going to be complete. Like the sigil is going to be completely out there and manifested. So it's this like really slow burn um, destruction of the sigil. And, And the idea is that, you know how much attention that a painting takes and how much energy you're putting that into the sigil in a sense. You know, you're painting it out, so it's almost like you're doing this really intense destruction and focus on the sigil by painting it. So then the painting becomes—it's like you know—you don't see the sigil; it gets painted away. It's like in the in in the very beginning, but you know it's in there somewhere, and that's that's my that's my idea for painting sigil magic.
1: That's awesome! I love that. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to try that for
0: sure. I know I need yeah, to try really it again like- too.
1: I really feel like when you create a painting, the amount of energy that goes into it. I mean, if you have a particular intention for that for sure. painting, you're that's a form of magic. Oh yeah, for sure.
0: And the painting is a, a sigil in itself, really. It's just your, you know. Totally. Yeah, so it's uh, yeah, it's crazy. Art is magic. It really is, you know. Um, yeah, there's a good uh, the the art art and magic video on magic.me is really good also yeah i haven't that checked out. that out yet but i yeah. want to yeah it's good well that was pretty amazing um <laughs> i appreciate you coming on that was an excellent interview um
1: yeah my pleasure man thanks for having me yeah. i love talking about art it's nothing
0: else i'd rather be doing i know other than making it right <laughs> Se- yeah second best thing to make. that's fun also <laughs> second best thing um. All right, well, um, yeah, thanks for coming on, everybody. You know what to do if you want to join the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash darkartsociety. And are you on Facebook? I don't have Facebook, but if yeah. you want to find me Instagram, it's uh,
1: underscore, dot dot underscore on Instagram. And uh, you can go to com is the place to find everything about me. It's kind of like a temporary website right now as i'm constructing my real website but it's got links to everything you'd probably want to know about me on there
0: cool yeah i wanted to get uh i'll after we after we stop recording i will get you know i'll tell you what i need one of the things gonna be links and one of the links i want to have is the link to that medium article because oh pe- yes. Yeah, sure. people no definitely problem. definitely gonna to want to read that so um uh that's it so thank you i really appreciate it super fun um, I'll, we'll have to do it again sometime I really enjoyed that yeah man thank you <laughs> alright so let's say goodbye to the audience goodbye audience what bye <laughs> goodbye goodbye <laughs>